Good evening, Patriots, and it's Sunday, January 8th in the year 2023. East Coast, you have just stepped into Monday, which I hate to tell you, but I'm not racing into. We'll get there soon enough. And Patriots, before we begin tonight, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. The best way to do that is with great products, especially great sheets and pillows. And there's no better sheets, in my opinion, than the Giza Cotton Sheets from MyPillow.com. Giza cotton sheets, incredible sheets of a great value, super comfortable, super soft. And you match that with a MyPillow Classic, and you really have an amazing basis for getting a great night's sleep. In this time when there's so much going on, so much chaos, so much confusion, all the attempts to try to separate you from reality, keep you ill at ease, anxiety, keep your anxiety up and your anger up, Sleep is a very critical component to keeping our sanity and to keeping our health strong. So take advantage of the great savings over at MyPillow.com with your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, B-A-R-D-S. You will not be disappointed. It's a fantastic uh, set of products over there. And so head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash BARDS, promo code BARDS. Check out all the great products and you will be a much happier person in the morning. So there you go. This has been kind of an interesting week, as we know. A lot of stuff going on last week. 
from President Trump's strange speech about his 2024 possible return to office and his declaration against the cartels, which itself is odd. And we'll talk a little bit about that here as we go, as well as the whole kabuki theater around the Kevin McCarthy election nomination. And now we've got Brazil and Mexico supposedly in a war with not with each other, but with uh, Brazil and supposed upheaval in Mexico fighting the cartels. And that's really going to get down to the first thing is that just a forward caution to everybody. As we approach these topics, really make sure you stay centered in your relationship and prayer, relationship with God and prayer. Because there's a lot of deception going on and there's no no stopping any of that. And the deception is becoming more evident if you have eyes to see that some of these events are being staged and manipulated. So the world is definitely changing. And I think we really, when we dig into a lot of what has been happening in the different domains of, of our life, in our different domains of our life, include politics and they include sports. And so let's start with Damer, Damar Hamlin, who appeared today in a photo in his hospital bed. Now, I'm going to be honest that this whole subject has been, had me looking at this from different lenses because what came with Damar Hamlin was also a an, a game today where all of the players came and they prayed. Now, I'm going to tell you my first reaction, and then I'm going to tell you what's kind of come through the day as I've prayed on it and had some really amazing conversations with other people. I am... I look at the NFL as the hub of kind of one of Satan's greatest manipulation tools. And I'm openly very critical of those that get so wrapped up into these teams worship that they, it becomes a religion in itself. The United States is probably best defined in its faith as football first, money second, and God third, if it gets there. And I think that's a pretty sad statement on a, on a country that so much of that is tied to the inappropriate worships. But what we're dealing with here in NFL is also an incredible influence component. So Damer Hamlin obviously collapses on the field this last week, had a cardiac arrest, apparently coded a second time when they would took him to the hospital. It's been a lot of discussion. I've even hit on it. There's a lot of indications that that was a ritualistic event like they do so well with their dumb numbers, 33. Their other numbers, 999, inverted is 666. Their hand signs, and the list goes on. Damer is supposed to be a Christian. And so I'm, I think most of us who are paying attention have our spidey senses way up to say, okay, what's really going on here? And I fully expected him to to die and he didn't and so my of course me being me my next comment was like oh apparently they grew that clone pretty fast to get him to get his replacement in place but 
here's where I think we have to start looking at this in a different lens. And this is this is me speaking and also with just some really fantastic conversations through the day about this topic. Let's begin with his event. And then we're kind of looking at how God is working right now because God's working in ways by, with, and through us and against Satan's plan. So let's just say that the event on the field when Damer fell was a ritual. The thing is the audience didn't know it was a ritual, even if the players did. And the people in the parking lot didn't know it was a ritual. And those on TV around the world watching didn't know it was a ritual. And so many people went to prayer. That whole stadium basically went to prayer. The parking lot went to prayer. People in the city went to prayer. I even talked to the resistance chicks today because what was interesting is they had, God had put on their heart to go downtown to Cincinnati that night. They didn't even know the game was going on. And they ran into all of these people, and even they started to pray, not knowing at the time that Damar had collapsed on the field. So the event that is supposed to be, even if it is supposed to be a ritual, through the incredible force of God in prayer, gets claimed as a God victory, quite frankly, because there's all of a sudden, even though this is a a, a big event of our of the religion of football, nonetheless, God took center stage. And so it really didn't matter what the handful of players or those who manipulated this were trying to make it be. The spontaneous action of all of this created an amazing event to lift spirituality in a nation and in a, in a game and in a nation. And that just happens to be the power of football in this nation. And I had, and this is where I've had to myself do some interesting reflection today is I, I, if you, if you don't know by now, I'm pretty strong against idols. I don't buy idols. I mean, when I say that, I don't buy into idols and I don't really have a lot of patience for people that worship idols. And that includes sports teams big time. And if you're a sports fan and you're one of those, if we were sitting having a talk, I'd tell you right to your face that I think that you're just consumed with idolatry because sports has a way of a narcotic around people that, I mean, it's, it's everything from the clothing to the obsession of the games and the tailgating and it all takes on a culture and that's great, but if it's an identity and then it becomes a worship and a religion and God doesn't get any of that center stage. So that's my bias coming in. Equally with my bias coming in on this is that I have professional teams don't rank high on my good list these days because so many of them took the position against anti-vaxxers as they took the vax to save their careers and continue to milk the system for the millions of dollars that they make on contracts to maintain their lifestyle and their gameplay. And this one in particular, Damer was open, at least whoever ran, I don't know if he did it himself or someone else ran his Twitter account, which is very possible. There was a post put out that any of the people that didn't take the vax needed to be put in jail. So he's, by his tweet, he associated himself as someone who was strongly anti-vax or anti-vax, anti-anti-vaxxer, how's that? Very much in line with the deep state's agenda to try to eliminate anybody that would question the narrative. So there's a bit of justice that happens when this happens. I don't mind saying it. And it's a God's level to justice that he's dealing with now 
as someone who had a cardiac arrest, not once but twice on the field. But here's another perspective on justice as well, is that this event, and in spite of all of that, and all the damage that these vaxxed, pro-vax narratives have caused, God brought everybody, vaxxed and unvaxxed, together to pray. And that's a very significant place, because even if it was Satan's game to try to sacrifice somebody for his, his pickup, like sacrificing a young Christian boy, the fact of the matter is that that game was stolen by God himself and replayed to anchor prayer across the nation. And it took a football game to do it, but I would say fairly in God's way of looking at things, it really doesn't matter because it's whatever it takes to bring people home and bring people back to him. What's interesting to note is how many players have had the same event in England and in Europe that have dropped soccer players. But this, there's been no reaction like this whatsoever. You didn't see whole na- the whole nation suddenly put their eyes on this product and this problem like this happening here. Because unlike other sports, football truly is a religion in the United States. So then we go to today, today or yesterday, one of the two. And there is the teams come together to play and these teams, both teams take a knee. Not in the taking of the knee of the Kaepernick sense, but they take a knee in prayer. I've watched the video a couple times, and there's a couple things about it that are interesting. One, in NFL fashion, they have really good wire-guided cameras, so you get a pretty good panoramic of what's going on. And that's some really cool technology, too, by the way. And they may even be using drones at this point. But you're able to see some very sincere body... Uh, body language of prayer, people holding hands, really digging into prayer. And they're, they are literally praying before the game, both teams. And with that, the audience follows them, the stadium. And with that, there's others that do too. And I just, it's the reflection is pretty powerful because this is how God will work. And what ends up being an event that we can analyze and dissect and scoff at as an attempt to of the luciferians to do some sort of blood ritual ends up getting taken by god where evil turns into good and the nation's eyes now are on prayer and what's really interesting two other events that have happened in the last two days that tie together one is that after damar's fall one of the sportscasters literally did a prayer on air now i don't know i mean i i have tuned in enough to ESPN over my life to know that that doesn't happen. And two, to see that happen and to have it allowed is a profound thing because that's getting the right message out on the airways. And the second part of this, which was very interesting, is that in the conversations that the narr- that the commentators were having as the players were praying was this comment. And it was, my gosh, this is going to spread to every game. I think that's very profound, and I think it's profound enough to recognize that God is really doing some interesting maneuvers here as we move forward to start bringing people. In fact, I have this. It's a minute or so clip. Let me. I don't know how it'll play out. We'll see how it sounds, but I'll play it right here and see how this goes. Josh Dobbs, the quarterback, they have to shorten the football game. 
What you're seeing now is what Doug Peterson talked about, that we felt the whole NFL as a community came together this week, and he talked about this. Both teams coming together in prayer before this game starts. It's just an unbelievable deal for both teams to get together and pray and thank God for what's happened this week. And what you're seeing on the videos, they're all praying right now. So, pretty interesting. And that's how they begin the game. What a powerful moment. Three is all over the field. You will see this across the league all day tomorrow as well. And there you go. They'll see this across the league all day tomorrow as well. I think what's really interesting about that is this idea of taking a knee started with a despicable human being, <laughs> Kaepernick, probably one of the most, I, I just can't stand him. And that whole concept, in fact, just to give you a little history, when Kaepernick takes us back to about 2017, 2018, in fact. And I was praying on that event. And that's when God put on my heart to start doing bended knee. And I even I even said to Father, I said, Father, this is that's the term they're using for Kaepernick. And he says, we need to take it back. Well, what was really amazing on Twitter, and yes, I was on Twitter at that time, even though I'm now proudly banned for life even under Musk, apparently. Um, bended Knee hashtag was completely owned by Kaepernick. If you did hashtag Bended Knee, it was Kaepernick, 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 and all that nastiness that went with just defying things and wearing socks that said, you know, kill pigs and stuff like that. It was pretty ugly. And in a process of a few months, we took that hashtag back, and if you type, if you put in hashtag bended knee on Twitter, the only thing you would find was a massive, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of posts about God and worship and bended knee daily and weekly prayer because it was weekly at that point in time. So here we are now, and that's 2018. So here we are five years later and almost five years to the month, in fact, because bended knee was started, I believe, I think I started it close to January in 2018. It might be a little bit off there. But here we are five years later. And we now see the NFL across the league willing to start on their knees, but not in protest to the flag, but in homage to God. That's a very, very powerful transformation that, I, that is worthy of acknowledging. We can't just turn our back on it because this is God moving bigly. And what's even more interesting is that if you really think about it, I would argue that if the NFL was to make an announcement that every game was going to begin with a prayer but not a national anthem, most people would be very, very satisfied with that. I would be. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be out here being an NFL obsessive, but it's a huge shift. And considering especially when you think of the story of Tebow, they, was, they wouldn't let him pray on the field. And you had one of the coaches was released because he was promoting prayer. This shift is massive, and it's happened 
in less than seven days. Now tell me that's not God working in big ways. And that's really a lot where a lot of my prayers have been focused this weekend is I've kind of done some deep reflection. And as I, you know, I always say, Sunday nights are just kind of a reflection of my week and walking with Jesus. And there's a lot of that in the reflection of where are we and what are we doing? So this, that was one of the big events for this last week that I'm, as I kind of worked through that today and had some great conversations, like I said, one of those people I talked to is I always do my close friend, Pastor Brad Cummings. I also did talk a bit to the resistance chicks and that was not about this, but they shared with me their own story. It It's really powerful when you start to think about it. And the real question is, is this young man now that Damer who's in the hospital, I don't know what his relationship is with Christ. They say he's a Christian. I don't know if, and I mean, we're assuming it's the same guy. I'm just going to keep it at that. But if this is the man who, who coded twice, that's a pretty powerful moment. That's literally like raising the dead that he's back. And that's God making some pretty big movements. So I, you know, it's interesting. It will be interesting to see what his testimony will be as he steps into the arena again to talk because they'll interview him. And he's now stepping into a completely transformed arena, if you think about this. And what's important about that is he left an arena technically dead because he wasn't breathing when they took him off the field. He will return to an arena. Now, it technically leaves an arena technically dead with COVID requirements and for they won't allow prayer openly. He returns to an arena less than seven days later. The arena that he's returning to will welcome him with prayer, with prayer aloud and prayer being done across the league. Tell me that's not God working. So I would, we're probably going to include him tonight in the prayer. And, And I'm not, I'm really being clear here. This is not about prayer of an idol. This is about prayer of somebody whose God has made, given an opportunity to now potentially to be a significant agent in leading, in influencing a return to prayer. I think that there's so much in this. And I openly, I mean, I, I have had some real, my own struggles with this today. Hear me honestly, my heart, because I can't stand sports the way they're worshiped. I have worked at high level sports. Okay. I competitive raced in bicycles. I was on a pre-Olympic team in the rowing, in rowing and crew in Oregon State. I was a, I was state ranking in wrestling in high school. I was offered scholarships to go to Columbia and Stanford for wrestling. I was one of the top martial arts instructors in the nation in my association. So I I achieve highly in sports. Okay, and I always have, and I've. But I also know that in that next level, there's a lot of compromises people make to get into these professional areas. So for me to sit here today and look at this and have some alternative perspectives provided for me from some just great people, Brad Cummings being one, I've had to sit with that. And when I get into kind of my warrior mode, I don't get into a, I'm not a real compromising individual. And I was in kind of my warrior mode today because I'm like, Tim, this is garbage. My first response was NFL's trying to remake their brand. But as I have taken time to pray on this and to look at this and to listen to the counsel God provides 
and to see my and kind of drop the scales from my eyes of bias. I'm like, man, this is more powerful than I'm realizing because that was ESPN clip I just played for you. And ESPN is talking about prayer. ESPN is or was Disney owned. Another important connector. And they're talking about prayer on the field and thanking God. So and what an amazing influence change that opens up the game now to doing as it should do, which is to put our faith back before all games. And I said that even goes before country. So the national anthem, it's great to play. I know people like to hear it. But you know what? If we don't play a national anthem at the beginning of a game and you get 50,000 people every game taking, taking to prayer, I'll take that any day. So again, just something really to look at and realize just the power of mighty God of how he can work in this. And that just kind of jumps us into what went on basically Wednesday through Friday. And I think there's a lot of perspective here that we have to gain. We had a an event which was the selection of the Speaker of the House, which we ended up with Kevin McCarthy who was a swamp creature. He'll, and in one way or another, he's pretty much a swamp creature. And what we've learned is that a lot of the negotiations that we were told that they were doing and holding out the vote for had already been accomplished. That's, that's one thing that's come out, is that some of, much of what we watched, and I, and I alluded to that last week, was Kabuki Theater. But again, let's look at the effects of this beyond the critical eye. And when I say that, when I look at things, I'm looking deeply at the purity of the heart. My, my interest when I'm talking here, when I'm encountering people, my pursuit is the purity of the heart, the intention of the heart in the deep pursuit of an intimate relationship with Christ. But there's a whole bunch of people that aren't going to hit that deep, intimate relationship with Christ, at least not right away, and some that are on the outside of that. And in fairness, you know, I've had my own journey to get here. So in looking at that event that happened in Congress, and I've listened to a lot of commentary on this, McCarthy's not popular. There's a set of rules that are put in place that are interesting. Um, I don't know to what degree they will be successful, but I can say they are interesting. They are, they are a, a set of, of rules that are requiring him to abide by, otherwise they can remove him. So obviously there's a lot of questions of whether or not he's even going to care. But there's more to it than this because there's enough binding issues around his keeping the speaker position from both sides that it seems to be a check and balance that they put in place. Okay, so we leave that. But there's some things within those objectives that they need to move forward on that potentially could have some significant impact in restarting a direction. Notice how I'm saying these words, meaning I'm not trying to shoot the moon. I'm just looking at incremental steps towards where we're going. And in that sense, I think there is a lot of God's hand involved in this. The interesting thing is that, you know, Pelosi is out. And that's changed the dynamic. There's a lot of things we can point out that were pretty amazing in, in their own right. 
whether they were done by some secret hand behind the scene that's holding the strings on everybody, whether they're good or bad, or whether it's God's hand, the effect in the end of the day is it's always God's hand because we're watching this and we're orchestrating this place. And so as we look at the the whole play out of this with 212 Democrats that never budged on their vote, which is incredible, allied to their own party loyalty, supposedly because to vote for McCarthy was political suicide, which I don't buy at all because he's more of a swamp rat on their side than he is on ours. And then you had this other theater playing out with 30 people that people are attacking Marsha Blackburn and, and others because they defected getting down to about six or ten that held out. What most people need to realize is most of that was a show. It was McCarthy walking through a gauntlet, so to speak, to get to the position of speaker, and each person was pretty much had, had a point in time that they were going to peel off and vote for him so that incrementally they would get him closer and he would have to go through this process of humiliation, so to speak. That's kind of a... Uh, Mason's deal or Masonic order deal. But what is interesting in all of this is where we arrive in the perception of the people in the country. So the perception of Kevin McCarthy doesn't change. He's pretty much everybody's looking at him as a swamp creature, but there's the 20 people that stand out. Matt Getz being one. Um, Bobert is another that hold the line pretty substantially. And even if the thing is an act, even if it's all staged, America got to watch a process of the, of what it is like if a group of people hold out for their principles. Essentially what we're witnessing is a re-education of the nation. And the re-education of the nation is absolutely necessary because we've gone so many years of disengagement and apathy on all levels, from our faith to our to our civic duty, that we're at a point right now where people are having to relearn what it's like and to be American. And that's not a small thing said. Because this country, by def- definition, has God on the throne. Not a king of human form, but God is our king. And then under that are the people, and under that is the government subordinate to the people. And we've never lived that way, not in this country. We understand the ideals and principles, but we've never lived that way. And so in this very amazing process that we're in right now, as we look back over five years of where we get to to now, and even farther back than that, we can go back to where we were in 2015 with the entry of President Trump, then candidate Trump, and we move forward. That's eight years, eight years of a process of awakening to the corruption awakening to the influence negatively, awakening to the hypnosis that we were all living under, living, awakening from the dream that we were all in. And at one level or another, we were all in a dream. And in one level or another, we are all rapidly moving out of this dream. But as more as you are more awakened in the moment to the realities, it's difficult at time to have to endure looking back at those that are on training wheels when you're out here riding, riding your bike, like we'll just use a mountain bike. One person's on training wheels and one person's out here jumping, running narrow trails and, and jumping gaps on their mountain bike. Okay. We have that much diversity in our state of awakening in this nation right now. 
So yesterday, or the last, the couple days of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, were a real process where so many people, like the like the events in sports, were focused and reclaiming knowledge of how the system worked. And with that was again a spark of faith, people thanking God for getting some of the power back in our Congress. Uh, do I think that it's a full-blown deal that we're going to get great things out of it? No, I'm, and I, I'm never going to say that. And I, matter of fact, I'm very pretty skeptical and will remain so necessarily because I'm going to walk into this world with a jaundiced eye to really wonder or believe whether or not this is going to be, whether we're going to really get much out of this. But even if we get a few things out of it, like the Texas Border Act or um, – the fair tax measure they want to bring in, or the defunding of the of the IRS agents, um, even just the investigations, though they will be mindless and endless, guaranteed. Nonetheless, they will be more of a process towards moving people towards a greater understanding of the depth of corruption within our country. Because there's still so many people, and even within the NFL, there's so many people that don't even understand what they're part of, other than they get a bill, they play a game. They don't have any say or care about what goes on in the halftime. That's not for everybody, but there's plenty of them that just are completely unknown to it. And this is something we have to start realizing and and praying into, I believe, more to bring this awakening out in people's hearts. It also gives us an enormous opportunity and responsibility to engage people right now with the true understanding, our, our personal relationship with Christ. Because this is what people are seeking. They're ready to hear this. So when you start to look at 2023, where we've kicked off now here, we are officially eight days into 2023. We've had an event in Congress that has opened people's eyes up to how government works. We've had the, the people that are accustomed to how government used to work, which was just a rubber stamp on everything. And so they were out here going, the Republican Party's all in disarray, only to realize that people can have, they've seen a demonstration of people having very engaged, at points very visceral debates, and yet coming to a common agreement and support with changes that are accepted on both sides and new rules and guidance that are accepted on both sides that in by the, by the way they're written anyway, reflect a greater focus towards we the people of a nation. That's how a republic is supposed to work. In the same eight days, We've had more Twitter file releases in the same eight days. We've had an amazing event in the NFL, professional sports, that has brought the, uh, many people, I won't say a nation, but many people to prayer. And that's had a ripple effect. And in that same time, the awareness of the damage of this injection to the youth has risen up astronomically. And then we're ending those eight days with Brazil and Mexico apparently at wars internally. One with a cartel, that's Mexico. The other internally with the government with Brazil. So it's been a pretty wild eight days. And I can pretty much say if we've kicked off this fast, we're probably going to go a lot further. Now, just kind of a word of caution. And I mentioned at the beginning, but on the Brazil stuff and the Mexico stuff, um, in looking at some of the footage, two pieces of footage have already emerged that look completely staged. Mexico being one with a supposed running gunfight between two vehicles. The only problem is 
the chase vehicle, which is a police vehicle, as you hear the machine gun fire going, the machine guns pointed backwards. <laughs> so I don't know that that's real. And then some Brazil footage from the riots, supposedly, and the Capitol building. Um, if you haven't been following that today, if you remember the shaman guy that we had, that was supposedly the J6er that they arrested and whatever. Okay, the shaman guy, there's an exact copy of the shaman guy that's just shown up in Brazil in those riots. Only thing is, instead of red, white, and blue, he's got green and yellow on his face. Same type of horns, same body structure, same thing. So I would, um, again, it sounds to me like there's a lot of dirtbaggery going on down there. Um, and then there's a wreck recently tonight that showed up with a police car. And two police cars supposedly on the mall wrecked. And we're not really sure how that happened because it looks like a high-speed wreck in a very, in an area that you couldn't drive very fast. But it looks good, and it's a lot of drama, and it looks like it's a movie set. So I don't know what we're seeing out of Brazil. That's my point. Our optics on what's going on in Brazil have been very narrow, meaning that we've seen only the view of the Supreme Court building and inside and nothing much more. And, of course, you're seeing the typical J6 profile of breaking windows and tearing stuff up inside and the police are on scene and the military is there. I would be very cautious right now. I'm coming to any conclusions either side of what's going on. This is smelling a whole lot like a false flag or at least a deception. And I think that's ultimately where we arrive for tonight, which is discernment and faith. Um, this is a time more than ever that our prayers have to be really focused on our walk with God and our intimacy with Jesus. And as we do that and we tuck in tight, we are given the blessing of eyes to see. And one of the things that I feel very strongly about in acknowledging to God regularly is the great thanks of all that he's given us in these past five or eight years which is truly an ability to navigate through what seems to be impossible things at the time, always overcoming, seeing clearly, and arriving at a positive point. Our world has literally transformed in our understanding of how it works in the last eight years. Again, if you're honest with yourself and you look back to how you saw the world eight years ago and you see the how you see the world today, and I'm including myself in this, our understanding of the depth of corruption, the level of manipulation, the out, abject lies that we thought were truths. It's, it's a completely different world. And that in itself is a significant moment for us to realize because that's us being separated from the matrix and being freed into the love of Father God. One of the things that with all of this comes the importance of our prayers. And this is something I was reflecting on today because we pray almost every every day in the week. We pray at one eleven, as you know, bended knee. But we pray in those prayers almost every day to restore Father God to the throne of this country. And it struck me today that with all that's going on, and I think at times it's easy for us to lose perspective of like, you know, things are still going on. It's going to be a hard time and a hard year. This country's a mess. The world's in chaos. All true and yet all not true. Because individually, 
we need to really honor and respect all that God has put us through. Because in order for him to get back on the throne, we ourselves have to be transformed. And that means that there has to be a powerful remnant and there has to be a great awakening of a relationship with God. Interestingly, this week with that NFL thing has sparked a greater awakening in God himself and the importance of it. So these are things as I, as I look at this and I say, well, we pray every day. And Monday through Friday, we pray and dedicate a prayer that usually includes a reference to putting God back on the throne. And where two or three are gathered is all it takes. And yet it's far more than that. So I kind of smiled today as I was praying on this. And it's, it was literally this. It's like, wow. Of course God will be back on the throne. There's not a question in my mind. And it shouldn't be in yours. Because our prayers will be answered. Because we've prayed for it and God has heard us. The only thing we have to do is channel our expectations of timing. This is God's time. He's trusting in us to do the work that we need to be doing. He's patiently waiting for us to put our eyes on him. And as we do, it's yet another joy in the world. He's working through us. There's challenging moments, but each of those moments is to refine us, to make us greater and stronger and better within the kingdom. And as we do that, we many, many are moving closer to him. And moving as we do that, there is this depth of people that walk into the body of Christ and there's those people that are on the way. So God's going to be back on the throne in this nation because of us, because we've asked, we've prayed, and he will return to that. And yes, Jesus will return to the earth, but in terms of the principle of this nation, God will be restored to the throne of this nation. This nation will be humbled before him. This nation will be restored to the form of the republic. And if we're honest as we look across this landscape of our country from coast to coast, we can realize that this awakening is happening. 2023 is a very big year. But it's happening at a pace and a timing that people are able to move with. While others are ready to run, some aren't ready to crawl, are just beginning to crawl. And I know the one thing that if you've been in the military, you know that when you do a road march or you do a run as a company or as a platoon or a squad, you only, your pace is only as fast as the slowest man because you never leave a man behind. So as we move forward, that also says something else because one of the things that I, in one, some of the road marches we did as I was a squad leader, I would make a point of getting the squad going and then going back and running with the slowest man. And it's something that I was compelled to do, but it was important in my life to continue to do. And I would encourage us all to reflect on that. If we're waiting for somebody to catch up, sometimes they don't know how to. But when we take time to go back and run with them, encourage them, provide some water, it gives them strength. They're not alone. And they learn to be stronger. See, in the midst of all of this, people tend to be very, are relatively weak. Groups give them strength, but only in that 
in the real moments of trial, we often realize there's only one or two in the group that will frequently stand up. The rest will sit on the side and wait to kind of assess the situation within the strength of the group because the group gives them strength. We need to be seeing people have strength in themselves, and that strength is only going to come in their relationship with Christ. And so there's, our, I think, our greatest task. It continues to be our singular mission, which is as we move forward in this year and as we move forward each day in a, in a pace that has already started out to be a, a, a breakneck pace, we have an opportunity to see those that are a little bit behind, to take time to run with them, to take time to encourage them, and in so doing, take time to teach them enough that they can find their relationship in Christ so they themselves become stronger as an individual. Much has happened this last week, a lot to reflect on, a lot to be thankful for, a lot that has given us a different way of looking at our nation and to really see and witness the power of God's hand if we're willing to take a breath and step back. Thanks to some really good friends I have that happened today for me to take a step back and breathe and realize that my stuff, my perceptions, my lens on things needed to be adjusted. And that needs to be adjusted more towards the throne to realize that God really is extending a hand to the many, but he's relying on the few to continue to raise them up. Let's pray. Father, we're very grateful tonight as we come before you and we just humble ourselves in such a beautiful way in just looking at your hand in this nation. Each day seems to bring another surprise, and it seems like this year has already started out with a bang and just moving so fast. And yet, we're also starting to appreciate just the magnitude of responsibility that we have in each of these steps. We, as you, want the same, to bring so many home. And it pains us to see at times how these decisions that people have made are going to be decisions that they carry. But we also know in our heart that as we obey, as we pray, as we let go of our own expectations and tie in deeper to you, as we see this world and seek to see this world through your eyes, that we're seeing so many out here in need, lost, or seeking, and such opportunity to introduce the love of Christ. All of this, Father, is leading us to the greater works. All of this is leading us to our inheritance. All of this is leading us to the, the work of what would seem to some as miracles. And we know that within our hearts, we have to continue that hard work releasing our heart from the burdens of anger and frustration and judgment and walking into this world with a loving and forgiving heart to open up the powerful hands of justice and love that you can bring in 
because through that's how we're truly going to heal and healing both in the physical and the spiritual. So, Father, thank you. A week loaded with lesson, loaded with wisdom, loaded with love and compassion, loaded with grace, all for us to experience and to witness. We say these things humbly in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. There is something I wrote today I'm just going to share. I think it's worth as we walk forward. Cautious is the walk of the warrior to extend a hand in peace, yet always keeping a hand on his sword. These are challenging times, and discernment is not easy in many ways. The way my conversations began today was I was not willing to quickly extend grace to the National Football League, and I didn't, and I think it was well done and well led by Father, because ultimately the process of being a bit cautious has allowed me to more effectively discern what I see, to realize some of the greater gifts, and yet still identify those places of accountability and responsibility. The one thing we have to be cognizant of is on one hand, there is a, as I said earlier, there is are, there is, are many that just don't have that relationship or understanding in Jesus, that intimate relationship in God. And we need to help foster that. But on the other hand, there are things that we cannot and should never quickly dismiss or wash over because there's accountability and there's also still evil. It's here. So our responsibility really, as I've mentioned, is kind of my theme for the year, as God put it on my heart, is one foot in the trenches and one foot in the kingdom. And that trench fight is the hard one to balance with the kingdom walk. Because on the kingdom side, as I discussed, God will find greater grace than perhaps we will see before us in the trenches. But we need both. It's not one or the other. We need both. So on one hand, we want to seek the love and the healing of many. On the other hand, you have to prepare before you to confront that and be willing to raise the sword. So we have both David on one hand, who is going to confront this before us. And then you're going to have that walk with Jesus on the other. Not an easy balance, but it's one as we seek and we find, we start to find that greater power in kingdom, that greater love in God, and the greatness that sits within us to truly take authority as the great men and women of this land and of this earth. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And God always wins. Yet we're here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night, thank you, and out for now.
Sometimes it takes all you get to believe. 